Good morning, everyone. Please be seated. It's a natural time, isn't it, to look back at the last year and reflect a bit on it. And I wonder how many people here have said either to themselves or to somebody, oh, goodness, thank goodness that one's over. We didn't really do anything interesting, did we? Or maybe usually you scribble lots of fascinating things in your Christmas cards, but this year there wasn't really any news to report on. I guess I can really identify with that. Sometimes at the end of a year, you look back and there is a bit of a sense of some sort of achievement. But in the last year, not so much. (laughs) For some people, of course, it has been a truly difficult time. For others, it's just been sort of flat. And if that's the case, it can breed a sort of flatness in us on every level, spiritual as well as emotional. I'm not very interesting. I'm not very spiritual. I'm just sort of plodding along, you know, trying to do the right thing, same old, same old, that sort of feeling. Nothing dramatic to report. Which is why I found today's passage, which we're about to hear on Simeon, so encouraging. Simeon is an elderly man. He lives either near or maybe in the temple, somewhere around there. And he is a man that we're going to look at, but we don't know a lot about him. We know that he's lived a long life, but for all we know, nothing very exciting has happened to Simeon. Certainly there's nothing in scripture that tells us that that's happened. The one thing we know about Simeon is it says he was righteous and devout. Now at this time, in our Bible readings time, the Holy Spirit had not been poured out on all people. So the way that people knew God was through the law. And the way that people were righteous and devout was by searching scripture, by obeying as best they knew how all the commands that are in that scripture, and by believing God's promises and believing that God would fulfill those promises however long it took. The same could be said for the nation of Israel nationally at that time. God had not spoken prophetically for about 400 years or so. So the nation is plodding along, many obeying the law scrupulously, others probably rather less so. In some ways, it is, for the nation, a very difficult time. The Romans rule the roost, and that is bound to have caused very considerable, well, we know it caused huge resentment to the nation of Israel. But in other ways, it's just a flat time, really. And God doesn't seem to be, obviously, that much in evidence. You go to work, you feed the children, you go to synagogue, you obey the law... And then into this humdrum time of history and into one ordinary, righteous, faithful life, God breaks in and suddenly the Holy Spirit is center stage. We're going to hear the reading about Simeon now. And I wanted to do that introduction beforehand Because I think it's just fascinating to see those two strands running wonderfully alongside one another in the reading. The law 
and the Spirit. At the start of the reading, you'll hear, listen out for it, there's lots about complying with the law. That's why Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, were in the temple, because there were very definite laws laid down that you had to comply with after you'd had a son, how you redeem him, how you the purification, everything else. And they are doing what was right in God. Simeon, again, we know, was keen to obey the law. So if you like, the beginning of this reading is pure Old Testament, faithful Old Testament observance. And then suddenly, halfway through, we find the Holy Spirit. Let's hear the reading now from Anna. Thank you, Anna. So we're reading from Luke chapter 2, verse 21 to 33. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he'd been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Anna. Let's think a bit more about Simeon. We've heard that he was observing the law, that he loved the scripture, that he wholeheartedly is doing all he can to be right with God. He believes God's promises and obeys them. And the outcome of this faithfulness, verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Here is a man of God whose every sense is attuned to the Spirit's wavelength. Bible reading fellowship notes in the last week or so on this passage have pointed out to me how this plays out. First of all, Simeon hears the Holy Spirit's personal promise to him that he will not die until he's seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, there are certain things that we've got in Scripture which are facts, and we can know they're true. But it is also quite healthy to engage with scripture imaginatively. 
And I, I just have Simeon in my mind, and we can't know about this. So this is me imagining. But it's good to connect with Scripture, with every level of our beings. I don't know how you picture Simeon. Maybe he was, certainly we know he was elderly. Do you think he was one of those little chaps, rather wiry and energetic with a sparkle in his eye? I think he may have been thin on top and a great deal of joy in his expression. I don't know where he lived. Did he live in a corner within the temple courts or in a little place fairly nearby? I don't know what time the Holy Spirit came to him. Did, was he woken by the Holy Spirit early in the morning? Did he find himself coming to the surface after believing for so many decades that he wouldn't die until he'd seen the Messiah? Did the Holy Spirit come along and nudge him awake and say, today's the day? And did he know in his spirit that he was going to meet the Messiah that day? And what did he imagine the Messiah would be like? Probably a strapping 40-year-old warrior, one imagines. It's what most of Israel were looking out for. Or maybe the Holy Spirit didn't give everything away, as he often doesn't, does he, in our lives. Maybe the Holy Spirit just came alongside him, uh, whatever, when he was doing something quite ordinary, like eating breakfast. And the Holy Spirit said, follow me now. And he just felt it right to go with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit took him to the temple. Did he know who he was looking for? Crowds in the temple. We know that. A great mix of people, old and young, smart and ordinary, tourists and locals, priests and ordinary people. And in and among them all, and among lots of others, one very ordinary young couple. Who are they? They're just there with a baby on one arm. Pretty ordinary situation. And yet, because Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings discernment, he was taken alongside that young couple. So he had seen God, he had heard God's promise, and he'd hung on to it for years. And then, nudged by the Holy Spirit, he goes to exactly the right place, at exactly the right time, and he sees, he recognizes in this baby carried by this ordinary young couple, the Messiah that he has been waiting for. And then he acts, he approaches the young couple, takes the baby in his arms to bless him. And then he speaks. He receives words from God, words of prophecy, and he speaks those words of blessing over the baby. But also words so huge and radical, they may have been pretty hard to engage with. What a very different slant this gives to an apparently uneventful life, just plodding along faithfully. Not that I'm saying it's all about a few high points, when or if they come. No, not at all. I am so encouraged that the undramatic day-by-day obedience is the seedbed for being available to God and for finding his resources wonderfully present when the big event, good or bad, comes. It may be that you're a teenager or young person and that just being you at school or college 
in and out of conversations, in and out of double maths, in and out of relationships and friendships. You hardly think that you're living a spiritual life at all. Or the same may certainly apply to young parents, given the blizzard of practical demands that you're dealing with all day. But you can do all of those at school, at college, at home, by the sink, in the car, in the garden, looking at a spreadsheet, whatever you're doing. Everything can be done in Jesus. Give him every single thing about your everyday life. Pray for his nudging on how you respond to every situation. Read your Bible and decide in your will to obey all he says. Ask for his courage to be different from the crowd, if Jesus would be. And all of this will enable you to be in exactly the right place at the right time and know his resourcing exactly when you need it. Or you may be older and wondering about a hip operation or something that may be coming up in this next year. Or feeling that life is more limited than it used to be. In the most regular, everyday way, be a Simeon. Obeying and listening out for God's word to you. Most of us don't live on mountain tops of joy all the time. Or indeed, thank God, in crevasses of agony either. Most of us just live in humdrum valleys of the everyday. And that is just where God meets and challenges and trains and changes us. Christ in the everyday. When I was a teenager, I had read about the dreadful torture that various Christians around the world suffered for their faith. And I remember I was incredibly anxious that if anybody came and even threatened to pull out one fingernail, I would be denying Christ within two seconds. I just didn't have anything like enough faith to deal with any threat whatsoever. And I'm not remotely courageous. And I remember taking my terror of this to my mother and saying that I couldn't cope and what was I meant to do and how could I prepare for this ghastly situation that might happen. Does anybody else around here play pointless what-if games? Just doesn't do you any good at all, does it? Anyway, I went to my mum about this. And she gave me the best advice, which was that the best thing I could do was to follow and obey in the context I am in rather than panic about the scenario that I'm not yet in and might never be. And that, in fact, we can be sure that if we obey now... God will give us grace for whatever is coming, when it comes. You may not feel that you've, as it were, got that phenomenal faith and courage in your pocket, ready for the day. But when you need it, it's there. I remember, too, that um, on the morning when we found our little six-week-old had died of a cot death, I felt as if God instantly gripped me with his steadying hand and he offered me a gift of faith just for the taking. 
Well, I had lived a life without tragedy or crisis up to that point, um, just pottering along, really, with my hand in his. And in that sudden, totally shocking agony, it was enough. And I was and remain so reassured by that as I contemplate possible challenges ahead. An elderly lady in our Yorkshire congregation at the time couldn't have summed it up better when she passed me as she went out of church and she said, I'm glad you had roof up before rains came. That's profound, isn't it? Let's make sure our roofs are up and well tended. Simeon is such an example to us of being a servant of God. He has the most profound realization that this baby, Jesus, was not only the fulfillment of these decades of promise that he had been hanging on to for himself, although, of course, that must have been an absolutely wonderful thing, but Jesus was also the fulfillment of God's centuries of promise to his people Israel. And beyond them, as it says in his prophecy here, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that is, to all the rest of the world, beyond Israel too. As 2 Corinthians 1.20 says to us, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Simeon not only received that fantastic revelation, but he also passed it on. By being available to God, he was a channel of blessing to Joseph and Mary. In verse 33, it says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. You and I can be that same channel of encouragement to others in the everyday, in the shop, on the street, at school, wherever. And one of my prayers for this year is that I will stop despising the day of small things or feeling self-reproachful that I have nothing magnificent to offer to God and no achievements to impress him with. Do you sometimes fall into those patterns too? Let's give him our routines, our choices, the details of our everyday life. He can make of them whatever he chooses, big or small. Our life is his life. Like Simeon, we can know God's sovereignty and live and, like Simeon, die in peace because we know who he is, salvation for all people. And if you aren't sure about that and would like to know the wonder of his being alongside you every day, then pray the simplest prayer. I want to know you, Jesus. And then talk to me afterwards or talk to someone that you, can, you know or can see is already walking with Jesus. He can be your light and mine in the everyday. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, you are faithful. We have no idea what this next year brings. But help us to walk in peace by trusting you. We pray that you would help us neither to yearn for or or to dread those sort of spikes of intensity that might come. But to find you deeply in the routines and the, the normal pace of everyday life. May we hold your hand every day and then find that you hold us when we're in need. In Jesus' mighty name and for his glory we pray. Amen.